Amen. Well, I see a whole bunch of blank looks today. I hope that's uh, not because you're you're uh, asleep. Um, anyways, it's so good to gather together, and it's so good again to reminisce. Uh, last year at this time, uh, we uh, realized that we were going to celebrate our Easter service, and then something struck in our church. And I think about half our church got COVID uh, last year at this time. Uh, all the men were supposed to be going, even to T4G, and a number of them had to. Uh, opt out because again it was going through uh, I had COVID at that time so you saw me on the screens of those who gathered um, uh, here and, and it was uh, certainly different and we're so glad that we can gather together and we can celebrate again the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ I'll try not to be again too um, to, uh, uh, to use too much verbiage this morning I realize again you're hungry and you're going to start smelling all that good stuff that happens to be again back there but I'm so thankful you know, I'm so thankful again as we consider the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and celebrate that great resurrection this morning. I mean, it's amazing to look at because as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's about one subject, isn't it? It's one of the most beloved chapters in all of the Word of God. And what it's about is the resurrection. You know, based upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be again a great resurrection that is going to come. In other words, Jesus Christ is the first fruits. He's that first little bit, again, of this mighty resurrection that is going to come. And when we talk about a resurrection, let's, let's be sure that we know that what we're talking about. We're not talking about absent from the body and present with the Lord. We're not talking about, again, some sort of mystical um, um, uh, a body that happens to be, again, in heaven. But what we're talking about is a physical resurrection. You know, our bodies will be these bodies, but they will be changed. They will be like his. And we see again in this passage of scripture that Paul talks about again is the mystery. I want to tell you a mystery. I want to want to tell you the truth about this. And the mystery here is not the resurrection. The resurrection was even taught in the Old Testament. You know, the resurrection right here is the order. You know, and the order is basically all those thousands and millions and millions and millions of uh, individuals that have trusted the Lord that have been dead even centuries and even millennia will rise and they will rise first and be caught up to be with the Lord. And those who are alive at his coming that have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ will be caught up to, together to be with the Lord and be the Lord with the Lord forever. And the amazing thing about this is this is not a long drawn out affair. This is not again something that takes again aeons to happen. But it happens in the twinkling of an eye. It happens in a moment, just like that, in an instant, all that is done. And, uh, and it's amazing to look at this because when you look at this truth, this truth would be too great, too grand, too far off to believe if we didn't read it in the word of God. You know, and he even says at the end of verse number 52, he says, and we shall be changed. And that speaks again of the certainty of it, right? We will be changed beyond a shadow of doubt. And this leads, because of what Jesus Christ has done, because he's raised from the grave, this leads to a taunt of death. Because it says in verses uh, 54 and 55, it says, when this perishable puts on imperishable and, and, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Let me just stop right there. Because there's a this happens and then this happens. When this mortal puts on immortality, when this perishable put on Im immortality, then this will happen. Death is swallowed up in victory. And there, here's the taunt. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 
And think of it, because when it talks about death being swallowed up, when you swallow something, you consume it. It's gone. And that's what it's talking about. Death will come to an end. It will not exist anymore. And therefore, the taunt of death. Right now, there's a sting of death. We feel it many times, again, with those who we truly love. But, but when this time comes, there's going to be a taunt over death. Death, with all of its fear, with all of its pain, with all of its agony, will be gone. And death, where is your sting? You know, and if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you're celebrating these truths. You realize the certainty of these truths because of what we celebrated on Good Friday, but also because of what we're celebrating this morning, that our Lord is alive forevermore. And the amazing thing, and we're really going to lay the foundation uh, this morning for what we're going to be talking about in our, in our morning service, uh, but it's amazing to look at it because what we do is we look back, don't we? We look back and remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. You know, and that causes us to look forward, doesn't it? We realize he died. We realize, again, he rose from the grave. We realize he ascended into heaven. And that causes us to look forward to this ultimate hope, that one day there's going to be this great resurrection that takes place. And what that causes us to do is look at our lives now, because it, it infects our lives. In other words, there's a future orientation, the way that we look. What ha what's going to happen in the future affects how we live in the here and now. But this morning, I want us to lay a foundation for that. Because again, I want us to ask ourselves why death exists, why it's such an enemy for us right now. And I want us to see the solution. And I hope that really lays a foundation of what we'll talk about again a little later. But I really want to see the problem. And the problem's in verse number 56. Because look at what it says right here. It says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Now, I want us to think you know, about death for a second. And it's not a pleasant subject, but we talk about it again almost every single Sunday that we happen to gather together. And death is still our enemy. Death still has a sting. But here's the thing you have to realize. Death is not natural. Death is unnatural. Now, why would I say that? Because when you look at the original creation of everything that happens to be in, in the world, everything, after, after God created everything on six days. He said on the seventh, when he rested, everything that he had created was very good. And guess what, what didn't exist? The one thing that didn't exist was death. Death came because of sin. Death came because of disobedience. And I think we even feel that sort of unnaturalness with death even today, don't we? You know, it doesn't matter if somebody's old, doesn't matter if somebody's young, when they pass away, it's almost like we want to say, it's not supposed to be this way. And let me say beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're absolutely right. It is not supposed to be this way. And we realize there's a separation there, don't we? You know, some people will try to gather around us and, and try to bring comforting words, and they'll say something like this. You know, your loved one will always be with you. But we know the truth. We know those the truth in those still moments that they are not with us. Death has created that separation. And when you look at our world that happens to be around us and everything that happens to be in our world, there is a great um, effort to, to, to even deny that there's death. You know, to busy our minds, to busy our hearts, not to think about it, because why? It's so painful. You know, it's so fearful for a lot of people, and it's so painful to think that those who happen to be close to us one day will 
taste that death. They will go through that waters. But here's the amazing thing. Every single year, death invades our ranks, and we have to face it. And I'm here to say, when you look at the sting of death, when you look at that separation, when you look at there's somebody passing out of this life, I'm here to say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, death is far worse than you could ever imagine. Wow. What an uplifting message this morning, isn't it? Death is far worse than we could ever imagine. And why would I ever say that? I would say that based upon the verse that we just read. Because, because I won't want us to see the steps that happen to begin in this. Because, again, we can trace this backwards, but it says the sting of death, right? Here's death, is, and here's the second thing he says, is sin. And he says, and the power of sin is the law. So we have death, we have sin, and we have the law, right? And the next thing he says, the sting of death is sin. Now think about what sin is, because it almost seems like an old-fashioned word today that's basically lost. You know, nobody, nobody speaks about sins. They speak about misdeeds, about mistakes, about all these other things that we've done in our life. But nobody speaks about sin today. And even in evangelical circles, uh, many times sin is redefined, you know, of thinking bad about ourselves. You know, somehow, again, heaping guilt or heaping shame upon ourselves. And Jesus Christ came to take away our guilt, to take away our shame. And there's a sense where that's true when we understand what sin truly is. But what they mean is that you have worth, you have value before God. God loves you so much and you're so special for him. You know what, here's the amazing thing that happens to be about the Word of God. The Word of God does not allow us to define sin any way that we want to. Because think about it, the sting of death is sin. But then he says the power of sin, right? That control, you know, that, that overbearing uh, aspect of sin, the power of sin is the, here it is, love. In other words, there's a law, right, that's given by who? By a lawgiver, right? You can see this in uh, what we call Paul's magnus opus, and that happens to be uh, the book of Romans. It's incredible exegesis of what salvation happens to be. But before he ever handles the good news, for three chapters, he tries to convince every single person that they're a lawbreaker. That they are under sin and under the condemnation of sin. So he handles the Jews. Here's the Jews, the righteous. They have the law of God. They, they live morally, again, better than anyone who happens to be again out there. And he shows them beyond a shadow of doubt. They've broken the law, 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 broken the law. And then the question is asked, what about those who don't know the law of God? Well, what about those who have never read the word, never read that law? And he says it's written on our hearts. Right? right, We're made in the image of God. We know bearing, bearing a false report, a false witness is sin. We know anger is sin. We know murder is sin. We know lying is sin. We know covetousness and lusting is sin. Nobody needs to teach us that. And what does it do? It brings us and it shows us that we have all broken this law. You know, and he rounds it up, or he begins to round up his argument in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 and following. He says, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands. 
No one, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. How many? No one does good, not even one. And there's negative after negative after negative after negative after negative. We're all sold on this sin. And think of it. Here's the law. Let's trace it, let's trace it back. It proves beyond a shadow of a doubt we're sin. And then there's a penalty of that sin, isn't it? And here it is. Death. Right? Death. And we realize that. You know, Romans 6, 23, we all know this uh, verse, but it says what? The wages of sin is what? Death. And remember I said said a moment ago that death is far more horrendous, far more awful than we could ever imagine. And the reason why it's far more awful than we could ever imagine is when we talk about death, we're talking about ultimately a separation from God in a place of punishment. That's justice, right? That's pure righteousness from this God that happens to be above. And it's enduring. It's unending that happens to begin out there. There's no hope. There's no relief, you know, because we are sin breakers. In fact, Isaiah chapter 66 brings that out. It says, and they shall go out and look at the dead bodies of the men who rebelled against me. This is the Lord speaking, right? They have rebelled against God. And then it tells of their punishment. For their worm shall not die. In other words, it will endure this torment. Their fire shall not be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. It's basically saying this. There's no hope. For the sinner, there's absolutely no hope in and of himself. But let me say this morning. That's not why we come this morning. We've come this morning to recognize there is a victor over death. There is a victor over the punishment. There is a victor over the law. He's fulfilled all of the demands of the law and substituted his life for us. And that's where we get to verse number 57. And verse number 57 tells us of this one who's conquered death. And it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the assurance of this boast. You know, and the assurance of this boast that one day we will taunt, we will say, oh, death, where is your sting? It's not because of our greatness. It's because, again, of what our God has done. And he gives us this promise that happens to be right here. And it's exclusively for those who happen to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I truly believe this. I, I truly believe the more that you dwell, the more that you meditate, the more you think, the more you occupy your heart and your mind with these truths, the more that they change, the more you see how indestructible, again, our hope is. You know, and with that in mind, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And one, one of the things I love about Scripture is I love conjunctions. Don't you? You, you know, I love those connector words. And some of them we have but, we have and, we have therefore, we have if, we have since. You know, and when you look at those connector words that are used, they, they join thoughts together, don't they? And we realize what but does. But joins what? A contrast right here with something different that happens to begin right here. And what he's saying again over here, there's no hope. You know, we are under sin. We are people that are most miserable. We are lawbreakers. We feel that sting of death. And then he comes over here and he says, but, and he says this, thanks be to God. 
So the one who is given, th given thanks is the one who changes it. And it happens to be this great God that happens to be above. And he's the one who gives the mighty victory, so much so that there's a taunt that happens to be over death itself. You know, and think of what a victory is. A victory is basically if you have two armies that are warring, one has a victory, one conquers the other. And this is what it's speaking about. It's speaking about the conquering power of the Lord Jesus Christ over death itself, our final enemy. And he talks about this. The writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9. He says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Now, why is he crowned with glory and honor? Because of this, because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You know, and think about it. What's he mean by the suffering of death? And what he means by the suffering of death is basically this, what we looked at on Friday evening, right? We looked at that he cried out, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? And we made the connection that happens begin right there that he is dying physically. But think of it. Jesus never sinned. The wages of sin is death. Why did he die? And the text tells us that he might taste, here it is, death for everyone. Right? Well, we still die. Well, it's, it's talking about this. It's talking about the judgment of God. It's talking about the wrath of God. He has tasted that wrath for everyone who truly believes on him. Now think about that, because what's the outcome of that? And we would say rightly, it's our future resurrection. We would say again, rightly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus even rose from the grave because death could not hold him. And we'd be absolutely right. Because the writer of Hebrews continues on in that passage of scripture, and he says this, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one, here it is, who has the, here, here's this word again, the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now think about that, because here we've talked about again the power of death and the fear of death. And everyone knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, death will come. Everyone knows, even though they try to deny it, that there is a God. You know, and there is a day of accountability. And you can imagine the fear that that creates in individuals. Uh, we have some people here from British descent. You know, and one, one of my favorite shows, I wish they would have made more, more of them, was uh, Lewis, Inspector Lewis. You know, and I love, again, that show. Inspector Lewis, again, they, they have these complicated cases and, and all this various different parts that come together. And there's always a murder. You know, and... Uh, Lewis has this interesting sidekick named Hathaway. And Hatha Hathaway grew up, you know, and he wanted to become a priest. And somehow along his way, he lost his faith. He still believes in God, but he's unsure again of many things. Uh, but uh, but uh, he, in one of their cases, there's a murder. And there's somebody who happens to be an atheist who's connected to this murder. And she is really worried. And the reason why she's really worried is she thinks that this murderer is going to strike again. And she says to Hathaway, she says, I'm really terrified about this because I don't have the crutch that a lot of people have. I don't believe in God. I think that this is all that there is. And anyways, to make a long story short, uh, she ends up getting um, 
uh, poisoned and she's laying on the ground. Uh, she's just about to uh, die and she clutches Hathaway and she says these words in great fear, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And it's amazing, why? Because she realizes this, what the text talks about, the fear of death. And here's the amazing thing you have to realize about this is that we do not have a crutch. We have historical truths, but more than that, the fear of death that many times hangs over our lives as we live has been dealt with forevermore. And how's it been dealt with? By Jesus Christ. You know, John Piper talks about this section, and he tries to explain it as Jesus would say it. And he uses this, these uh, words. He says, when I died in your place and suffered your punishment and canceled your sins, I stripped out of Satan's hand the one weapon with which he could destroy you, the record of your debt. You understand now, don't you? The debt is paid. Your sin will never be held against you. And sure as the blood is infinitely precious, your sin is infinitely canceled. And Satan can never hold it against you again. Isn't that true? You know, and why do we know that's true? How do we know it's enough? We know it's enough because Jesus rose from the grave. The debt, the penalty could not hold him. It therefore guarantees, the resurrection guarantees that our sins have been paid for and that we will rise and be forever with him. Now, here's a question. How should the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and our future resurrection shake us and mold us? Remember what we said, because of what's done in the past, there's a certainty of this hope that affects us in the here and now. It shapes us. It directs us. This is what caused so many Christians throughout the centuries go, go, to, go, go to martyrdom, you know, give their lives. And why? Because they realized in the end nothing of eternal value was at stake. And why? Because of this truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive so much so that there's going to be an ultimate taunt of death. Think about these words again. Here they are. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But here it is. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God this morning. He is risen. Let's bow our hearts in a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. What an incredible text. What an incredible truth. Lord, to recognize, even as we trace it back, Lord, that you've given a holy law for our good and for your glory. We realize that the law is good, Lord. It's not sinful. It's not bad. But, Lord, we realize it's a reflection of your worth, a reflection of your character. It's what we ought to do, how we ought to think. But, Lord, we realize the reality and the reality is that we sin, we break that law. And Lord, what we are worthy of a deserving punishment. And we realize what that deserving punishment is, Lord, death as you define it. Lord, there's a physical death followed by what we call an eternal death. 
But Lord, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Not in ourselves, Lord, but in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for his perfect substitutionary death on the cross. Lord, that sacrificial death on our behalf. But Lord, we realize even as believers mourned that first Good Friday, Lord, that there was jubilee, there was celebration, just as we have this morning, Lord, because Jesus is alive. He's conquered death. He's conquered death for us. And Lord, we realize that this guarantee is not only our forgiveness of sins, but Lord, that one day we will rise also. God, help us to celebrate these truths. Help them to shape our lives and our existence as we live. We thank you so much. We just ask that you would be with us as we go to our fellowship time now. We thank you again, and we come in Christ's name, our resurrected Lord. Amen.